You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, thanks for tuning in. Detroit free press columnist and author Mitch Album has sold tens of millions of books since Tuesdays with Maury was released way back in 1997. Now he has a new book that explores the question of what it means to ask for help. In The Stranger in the Lifeboat, 10 survivors of an explosion at sea float on a raft hoping to be saved. They come across a man in the water who claims to be the Lord. Mitch Album joins me now to talk about the book and what he hopes readers will get from it. Mitch, welcome back to the show. Hi, Stephen. How are you doing? Great. Uh, I hope you're getting ready for a fun, a fun holiday this weekend uh, like the rest of us. Um, yeah, I just came back from Haiti uh, a few hours ago and oh, wow. uh, getting ready for Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, yeah where you've done so much work uh, with, with the orphans there. Uh, taking care of them and making sure that they have opportunities that they wouldn't have uh, otherwise. Um, so, so let's talk about this book. Tell me what inspired this story. Well, my last book a couple of years ago was a nonfiction book about called Finding Chica, which was about a little girl we adopted from Haiti who died from a brain tumor. And I, I think, you know, I wrote that book in a lot of pain, obviously, when you lose a child. And uh, my books tend to sort of complement or come out of one another. And, and so after that pain, there was sort of a, a desire to write something about healing. And I'd had a couple of years to understand that my anger at the universe, God, or whatever you want to say you believe in, for take little girl away was natural. You know, that's how you react. You get angry, but then you can't stay angry forever. And so I, I wanted to do a book about when we ask for help. We ask, we have prayers, you know, we want, you know, obviously we prayed that Chica would live, you know, uh, and when they don't get answered in the way that you want them to, do you therefore assume that the universe is against you? God is ignoring you, whatever, or do you need to take a longer view of it? And believe it or not, that's kind of the, the concept behind Stranger in the Lifeboat, even though it involves it. It's probably the biggest adventure book I've ever written is, you know, these 10 people lost at sea and sharks are attacking them. <laughs> waves are knocking them over. It's, you know, I had, a, I had a research how you eat shrimp off the bottom of a boat to stay alive. You know, it's not my typical stuff, but, uh, but that's the idea behind it. Yeah. So I, it strikes me that some of the questions you're raising and asking here are really pertinent right now in terms of, the way that all of us are thinking about uh, crisis and uh, forgiveness and uh, the way that we survive and and ultimately who's responsible for deciding what happens to us and and what we what we experience is is that some of the yeah. inspiration as well here yeah well so as you said you know the premise of it is that there's these 10 people who survived this terrible explosion on a luxury yacht. One of the richest men in the world owns it. And so half the people who survive are these rich guests, you know, with tons of money. And the other half are workers on the boat, deckhands and cooks and everything. They're out there for three days. Nobody's coming for them. They're out of food and water. You know, they're, they're crying out for help. And, and they see this body floating in the water. They pull it in. It's this young guy who's very nondescript and average looking. And, and, uh, you know, they pepper him with questions. Nobody, he doesn't say anything. And finally, one of the passengers says, well, thank the Lord we found you. And he says, I am the Lord. <laughs> and of course, their reaction is, 
Yeah, right. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, you're, you're floating in the middle of the ocean. You look like you you rent surfboards for a living, and you're the Lord. And they they say to him, you know, what are you doing here if you're the Lord? And he says, well, haven't you been calling me? And they look at one another. They say, okay, so what? You save us? And he says, well, I can only save you if everyone in this boat believes I am who I say I am at the same time. <laughs> and of course, that's quite a challenge with ten people of all these various backgrounds. And, and as the things get more dire and they're out there longer, days turn to weeks and, you know, they, 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 they get hit with a storm and shark attacks and all this stuff. You know, some start to believe that he is who he says he is and some go the opposite direction. But what I was able to do, Stephen, was to put questions in the mouths of these characters, of these passengers, that most people would have for a divine force if it suddenly showed up. Like if I disappeared from your program suddenly and a very deep voice person came on and said, Stephen, Mitch is gone, but this is the Lord and I like your show and <laughs> I'm going to give you 60 seconds to ask me whatever you want. I'm, I'm sure you'd have some pretty good questions. And those are, those are the questions that I tried to put in the mouths of the characters. Like, you know, why do bad things happen and why do people die and et cetera. Yeah. So in the book, a character asks this Lord character if he answers prayers and he says, he answers all prayers. It's just that sometimes the answer is no. You, you've said right. this is something you found to be true in your own life. Well, yeah, starting with our little girl, yeah. uh, you know, uh, who died at seven and, uh, and many, many other things. But, you know, when you want something in a prayer, it may not be what someone else wants, you know, sometimes we want something at somebody else's expense. And sometimes the answer has to be no. Sometimes the answer is you have to wait. And, you know, at one point in the book, there's that proverbial showdown between a human character and a supposedly divine character. By the way, I'm not saying he is God or is right. he got to read the book. It's right. all I can tell you is there's <laughs> a lot more to it than a thing. It's not so simple. And he's not Jesus. And, you know, he's not, uh, it's, 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 it's a lot different than it looks. But, but this one, character who lost his wife breaks crying and he says to this god character why did you take my wife you know which is the proverbial question we all have when we lose somebody is what i had when she could die why did she have to die and the response is people on earth are always asking god why did you take my loved one maybe a better question would be why did you give them to me hmm. what did i do to warrant their love or their memories or their, their sweetness, whatever. Didn't, didn't you have that with your wife? He asked me, he said, yeah, every day. He said, well, those memories are a gift, but their absence is not a punishment, you know, which is what we think of when we lose them as if we're being punished in some way. And he concludes by saying, I know that you cry when the loved ones you have here on earth leave this earth, but I can assure you they're not crying. Hmm. And for me, you know, I wrote that sentence as much for me and, 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 and my wife and Chica, as I did for the readers and that, you know, that's sort of what I've conclusion I've come to almost five years later now that, all right, we're crying, but I do believe there's something beyond this earth. I'm not telling anybody else to do so, but I do. And, and so she's not crying. Uh, and, and maybe you should look at it as like, well, what did we do? You know, my wife and I in our mid fifties, to deserve to get a family. You know, we never had children of our own and suddenly we're given that gift. Yeah. Something we prayed for 15 years earlier suddenly comes our way, you know, and that's what I mean to take it full circle with help 
That's what I mean about help. We ask for help in this world or from the universe, from God, from whatever. And we expect it in like five minutes. We expect <laughs> it to be like a deli sandwich, you know, like, okay, I ordered and where's my, where's my order. And when it doesn't come, it's like, where's the fries? You know, this, this, and so, and yet, you know, Stephen, 10 years later, you look back on something bad that happened and you say, well, it was terrible at that time. And I was sure that, you know, God was ignoring me or the universe was ignoring me. But now that I look back on it, you know, if that hadn't happened and this wouldn't have happened, this wouldn't have happened. And then I wouldn't have met this person, wouldn't have gotten married. wouldn't have been. So I guess it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Yeah. Well, if it's the best thing that could have happened to you 10 years from now, it probably is the best thing that could happen to you now. It's just we don't see help see that way. Yeah, you can't That's see right. it. Yeah. So, so I do want to talk just a little about Haiti. The last time you were on the show, uh, we were talking about uh, your book about Chica, mm. uh, Finding yeah. Chica. Uh, you know, Haiti has since been through a number of other crises, both political upheaval and, and more natural disasters. I, I wonder if you can just catch us up on what's going on there and, and what your work looks like there right now. Well, anybody who's in Haiti now uh, will tell you it's an extremely difficult place to operate in. I just returned home late last night. Um, the gangs have taken over such so many big parts of Haiti, and they are holding it hostage. The streets are extremely dangerous, and not just for American missionaries, which is a story that's getting all the attention, but of the 800-plus people who have been kidnapped in Haiti this year, only about 50 are foreign. The rest are average Haitians uh, who are just on the street and get pulled over with a gun held to their head and somebody takes them somewhere and goes through their phone and starts calling the numbers and says, I have such and such, give me a hundred thousand dollars. And, you know, they end up settling for 50. Uh, but meanwhile, everyone is terrorized. And so they actually control a lot of the, the comings and goings on the street. So for a number of weeks this past month, we didn't have any fuel for our generator, which of course you need because you only have electricity 10 hours a day. So if you don't have a generator, you don't have any lights. You can't mm -hmm. even run a fan. Mm -hmm. And the gangs controlled the roads and they weren't letting the fuel trucks get through. So there was no fuel. And, and so, I mean, everything is difficult in every way. And, and the government doesn't exist. They still haven't figured out who assassinated the president. Can you imagine in America, Heaven forbid somebody assassinated Joe Biden in August and it was November and we still were going, no, I don't know who did we it. we didn't know. You know the, right. the, yeah, we didn't know. Are you kidding? But that's what Haiti is like. So it's, it's, it's very dangerous and very concerning and very stressful, I would say, for the, especially for the volunteers that we have who come down from America, a number of them from Michigan, and work with us and live with us and, and have to hear this news every day. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mitch, uh, it's always great to have you on the show. Uh, it's always great to talk to you about your work, which, you know, over and over again, I think inspires us to, to ask really interesting and sometimes tough questions about our lives and the way we interact with each other. And, and there's always this really interesting religious dimension, I think, uh, to the work as well. So uh, congratulations and, and thanks for joining us. Stephen, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and I uh, want to say uh, happy Thanksgiving to all your listeners and to you and how grateful I am to, to be in, in Detroit. You know, uh, I know we take a lot of crap elsewhere, but <laughs> I still no place. And still, as I'm going in tomorrow and we're having our family come over and it'll be a Lions game and we'll probably lose, but still <laughs> no, no place I'd rather be than right here. No, Very that's grateful. absolutely right. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Take care.
Okay, that is going to do it for us today. Tune in tomorrow for a special from Humankind about aging in place and the struggles that senior citizens face navigating life in America today. Everybody out there, have a great Thanksgiving and enjoy whatever you have coming. Family, friends, all the things that we have missed so much over the past two years. This is 101.9 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. Have a great holiday, and we'll talk on Monday.